Hello, everybody. Just a very quick one about Instagram. If you're on it, Meta, the parent company, is reducing the number of political posts visible to users on their feed. This is a real thing, not a hoax. So go to your Instagram profile, tap the three horizontal lines in the top right corner to open the settings tab, scroll down to what you see, click on content preferences, open political content, and turn on don't limit political content. That's an option. Otherwise, you won't see almost anything we post because we are deemed political. Please do that now or you won't even see the posts about our shows, our fun things. So if you want to see Guilty Feminist content and know when we're coming to a place near you, releasing a new podcast, do it now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Welcome back to part two of The Guilty Feminist with Susan McComa and Millie Bobby Brown. Stranger Things fans, welcome. Enola Holmes fans, welcome, welcome. It's time to get back on the mics with Millie Bobby Brown. This was an incredible show and we gave it lots of breathing time. So we've got two parts for you. You are spoilt this week. So plug in and get ready for the fun. Hello, 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 and welcome back. Did you have a lovely interval? Excellent. Uh, are you ready for more questions now? It, I didn't wait. I just assumed you were. Um, <laughs> any objections? No. Okay. Uh, what we did, Millie, is we got this uh, jar and we told the audience to put their questions in it. Uh, we collected them up. Are you ready for some audience questions? Yes. Okay. All right. Um, uh, this is from someone called Mackenzie. Just give us a cheer if you're Mackenzie. Hey, right at the front. Hi. Excellent. Um, so Mackenzie asks, what feminist characteristics of your characters, such as Eleven, Enola, or Madison, inspire you most? It's, it's, quite, it's quite tough. Superpowers. Yeah. Eleven has superpowers, and yeah. I feel like that might probably be her uh, feminist trait. Um, also, she fights for the abuse of her mother like she stands up against the system because of what they've done to her mother it really feels very feminist for me yeah no definitely and I think it's um it's kind of interesting because when I was like 10 (laughs) when I started shooting I was like this is so fun I'm gonna shoot my head I'm like a tennis ball 
And then I'm older now, and I've really found that the, the Eleven is so uh, influential to me, and she does actually represent a lot of what a young woman is, despite the fact that she's so supernatural. Like, she is so vulnerable, and she is so heavily influenced by the men around her, and she has to stand out against that. Not only the society of, you know, the 80s and kind of the supernatural, but actually just, like, the fact that her boyfriend is telling her what to wear and her dad is telling her what to wear and then she has this scientist that wants to kill her and it's kind of like, oh, this is kind of like what real life is. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> um, That's excellent. Yeah. Truly excellent. So I would say, yeah, Eleven is a good representation of them. Do you want to pull awesome. one out? Yeah, well, wait. Uh, no, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Susan. Uh, <laughs> I did warn you about the tone. Uh, okay, so this is a question from Adelina. Is that, am I saying your name right? Adelina, hello. Thank you, you nice so much voice. for your big question. <laughs> and, and can I say, gorgeous handwriting. Um, we stand that. Okay, can we expect Florence to release a fragrance as well? Thanks Susie's just been... <laughs> Red. <laughs> what to say? Fully earwig. Like, uh, what is that? Can we expect Florence to release fragrance as well? No, this is what I, this is. I know exactly what you're talking about. But I was like, Florence, that's Millie. And but no, I'm yes. Florence piecing it together. She's piecing it together. <laughs> Wait. So Florence is the name of your beauty, yes. beauty brand. For people yes. that don't know, which you you know, that's fine. I too. do know. No, no, no don't give I'm me that. I'm saying it's fine, and I love you either way. Basically, again, for people who don't know, Florence is a, a my beauty and skincare brand um, that I created so that um, young people could like not do a 72 step skincare routine and, like, not know what to do with their skin. Um, because, like, growing up at 12 years old, people were just throwing makeup on my face, and I was like, oh, my God, like, <laughs> why do I have, like, pimples everywhere? And everyone was like, here's this, and here's this, and it was, like, crazy products that were so overpriced and also just very not for me, you know, that's anti-aging at 12 years old. And I was like, oh, God, like, I yeah, don't get it. That's weird. So <laughs> I hate that for you. Wow. Um, and so I thought, actually, I'm going to create something for young girls that they'll understand, that I can understand. You know, I am the consumer. I actually have no idea how to, to do it as well. So that's what we did. And um, it's a really cool... Anyways, uh, for fragrance. Um, yes, something potentially is in the pipeline, or maybe not. I'm bored. <laughs> I get really bored really quickly. Ideas come in and then they fly out and then I'm doing something else. ADHD. <laughs> Do you have ADHD? I, I can't self-diagnose because I self-diagnose. I'm a hypochondriac like my nan. I have it. Uh, well, I got diagnosed with it. Okay, yeah. That's but, understandable. But <laughs> sorry. it is... No. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for no, you. I think... But I, I actually almost don't know... Because the last two years of lockdown, we've just been flipping on screens and stuff. Yeah. And I wonder if I'm exhibiting a lot of the traits. Oh. And actually, I don't know, but I do Cured? know. Well, I don't know. What I will say is this, is I think one of the symptoms of having ADHD is you actually don't have the focus to go and diagnose with ADHD. <laughs> so you saying, I don't know, I haven't been diagnosed. Is that the time? Like, you know, it's sort of, <laughs> it's, a good, it's, a, it's a good symbol that you yeah. want. Okay, so I'm going to pull out another one. Uh, this Real. is from uh, Zipporah. Is that or Zip? Zip? Is that yes? Is that how you pronounce your name? Yeah, that's how you pronounce. Oh, you're Great. right there. 
Yes. Hi. So, Pora <laughs> asked, if you could have any other job, what would it be and why? Actually, I was asked this the other day. Um, I would be a caretaker at a care home. And I don't want everybody to be like, oh, she's the sweetest. Like, I just love old people. I love, I actually cried the other day at Tesco's. I was in Tesco's and I was with my boyfriend. Oh, so I keep just saying him. Anyways, forget about him. And I was in Tesco's and I was like, mm-hmm, roast dinner, stuffing, get a little bit of gravy. And then I saw this old woman. I was like, oh my God, she, you know when they shake? So I was shaking. And I was like, I'm going to get her a bouquet of flowers. So I got her the biggest bouquet of flowers. And then she gave me a kiss on the cheek. And then I started crying. And I was, anyways, I was just with this old woman in Tesco's while my boyfriend was like, chicken, gravy, like, what are you doing? And all the ca- like cashier people were like, what are you doing? And I was just holding this older oh. lady. Anyways, caretaker, because I, my nan was just the best human on earth. And all her friends were also really cool. And they just talked about fun stuff. And they, they just, they were mental. They were really mental. And uh, together, they like hit each other. And it was just like, it was entertaining. <laughs> it was really entertaining. My nan used to throw pillars at her friends and be like, you know, like, go away, make me a cup of tea. And it was just perfect. So I would definitely do that. So entertaining. It's like when, when I'm very old, you may come and look after me. Oh, thank you. <laughs> if, if, the acting, you if the acting doesn't keep on working out the way it is, you know, there's no, a job. No, I'll be there. I'll be there's there. There's a job. Yeah. Um, Daisy asks, who inspires you to be a better person? <coughs> who inspires you? <coughs> Well, not, not just the women on this table, because actually I would like... This is like not even funny. I actually... I've told you guys enough, and the, the people here listening is going to be annoyed, but I really, really do look up to the both of you so much, as well as Helena. God, I've never expected to say that. <laughs> no, it's not like you just wow. pride it out wow. of me. I just, it's amazing. No, 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 it is. I really no, do. Ser- seriously, who inspires you to be a better person? No. I've- you guys taught me about feminism and that I can give you. Uh, you guys really helped me navigate that because I was on this quest for help. Um, and uh, the woman I would say that inspires me most would be my, my grandmother and my mum. The matriarch in my family. Mm-hmm. They're everything to me. Oh. So uh, the women. Um, so and my little sister before... is the best. Oh, sorry. Ten-year-old sister. She's got it all about Amazing. it. And uh, she's really cool. And then my nan was the best. And my mum is also just like, she's just so much cooler than me. It sounds like even though you were looking for the formalised concept of feminism, it was already living in your heart and your yeah, home. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I just, I never truly understood it. And really neither did my mum, you know, because it's like actually funny. Like, I tell my mum things like... Mum, like, you, you know, this is the way the world is now. And she's like, you're so woke. I love it. <laughs> you know? And she, she wants to learn, but yeah. she doesn't know. Yeah. Um, I even said something. I was like, oh, my God, stop gaslighting me. And she was like, what? <laughs> you know? And she's like, what does that word mean? And I was like, Mum, this is insane. Like, you don't know what gaslighting means? So I had to, like, give her a whole spiel. So it's actually kind of interesting. Like, she's learning too. Yeah. Um, and, and we're both kind of going on it, yeah. I think this space is for learning, because I'm always learning all the time. I learn yeah. from every guest. I've learned things from, you know, listening and to you talk, you know, as a young woman. You can learn something from everyone you meet, mm. and I am delighted that you've learned something in this space, and I hope lots of your fans also find feminism here, because you're all welcome and part of our family. Mm. <laughs> 
Susan? I, I have a question from Ellen Jones. Make yourself known. Say hello. <laughs> Ellen Jones. There's Ellen. Purple hair. Indeed. Oh, but has purple been hair a guest fame. on the Guilty Feminist before. Ellen asks, did you acquire slash steal anything from the set of Enola Holmes to keep? Ooh. Um, well, I do steal. <laughs> Full stop. <laughs> no, um, no um, I do steal a few. You know, it's not like it's not like I'm too often. I, I do ask, and if they say no, I still do it. But I'm saying it's you know, it's like it's little things. I, I love to keep stuff in my memory box. They powdered me uh, for a makeup shot with like this huge powder puff. Oh, nice! And I stole that. But that was it. Um, and maybe Helena Bonham Carter's sweet. <laughs> No, no, no. Um, what else? On Stranger Things, I've stolen a lot. <laughs> yeah, like every year, it's something different. I used to steal my tattoo templates and just like while I would oh. go around on set or on other jobs, I'd still have it on. People would be like, you need to take it off. Like you're not playing this character. And I'm like, yes, I am. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I like it. It's just a good like memory. It's keepsake, you know? Yeah. Lovely. It is a fun thing to do. Um, theft. Try it. <laughs> have you got any? Try, guys. Have you got any mementos from Anola? Um, I'm trying that to you're think. willing to admit. Oh, I think I I, I took home some socks. Um, I'm not joking. Well, no, but you can't. You can't. I take. I have like underwear from like yeah. five years ago from another a, job. That's the thing that I take back is is underwear because I'm yeah. like it's been on my fanny. It, yeah. <laughs> so we've got another question here Maxine. from Eva Duckett. <laughs> Eva, Eva, where are you? Eva or Eva? Oh, Eva, Eva. Yes. What's is it? Ever or Eva? Eva, Eva Duckett. And your question for Millie is: What was your favourite scene in Stranger Things? From what season? Oh, Ooh. good question. Any of them? God, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Um, let me think. Let me think. Well, I would say to film. It's just it's different because you can you watch something it was horrific to film, or you film something and it's like oh god it really didn't come out the way I wanted it to. Um, I would say I mean there's so much from season four that I would probably say is probably my favourite, but from seasons in the past I think something about season one and how like <laughs> um, innocent and naive I was like I crave that back again. I don't have that anymore. I'm so aware now of my body and how I look. And not in a bad way. It's just I'm very aware of the way I, my face moves on, on camera now. Yeah. Um, like, I, I feel light more and I drift more towards that. And, you know, it's like it's certain things that I wish I didn't know. Because when I was 10 and that performance was so raw and real, people loved that I think more and I loved it more as well because you're seeing a real girl in a real world and it's like real whereas now I'm like hey <laughs> you know and I know my lines and I really didn't come to set prepared at 10 yeah of course so everything not. no I really didn't I just came came out and that's what works that's so interesting because it is such an authentic performance mm. I was blown away because mm. I I got into Stranger Things a bit later okay I knew it was 80s I thought oh, it was gonna be a bit scary for me I've heard it's scary and uh, my husband, Tom Solinsky, the producer of this show, watched it religiously. 
And I caught up later. I think maybe when I watched Nola Holmes, I then thought, Oh, really? Oh, Was that when? I really okay. liked you in Nola Holmes and I watched Nola Holmes because of you. That's not the way it's meant to go. I mean, no. it, I mean how but, awesome is that? That's but it's true. true. <laughs> I thought, Susie's doing a show in which she's being a badass suffragette queen. Got to watch that. Then I was like, oh, she's really good. Who's she? Tom was like, Stranger Things, I've been telling you. So then I go back and watch all of Stranger Things and I really, I thought I'd only watch one season, but I was gripped. I was meant to be writing a book, I'll be honest. And I was like, shit, I've just got, you know that one more thing? You know, the, yeah. you know when it gets embarrassing, yeah. when Netflix goes, are you still watching this? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Seems like very late. I've been it's there. I was doing time. that today with Drag Queen. It yeah. Was, it, was, oh. it was like, it was bad. I was on, I'm on season 12 and... There's just so much to consume. It was yes. so, so much. And I was just like, oh God, it needs to stop. But Jada won, so it was fine. Okay. I was, there, I was on set and I was screaming yeah. like this morning and like doing my job and blood everywhere. And then I was like, I need to go and see who won. It's yeah. the only thing that keeps me lighthearted on set. Otherwise you get quite depressed. Yeah, you uh, need those things that sort of... Elevator. Because I, the studios are really, really dark. I mean, yeah. imagine being in this room 12 hours a day and then working in it. It's like no light and only men. And it's scary. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I hear that. Well, that sounds like my worst nightmare. And then I went, shit, that's my job. That's your job. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I did, I did watch that performance and go... What, like it's a, you've got a serious talent and it Thank is you. extraordinary to see a child come to a role like that and it was very riveting and it was very feminist because mm. that that whole storyline about the way that your mother had been used and mm. there was a lot of the handmaid's tale in it to me that that's yes. those same sorts of themes and your power that the you know that uh, there's a, sometimes you see people with t-shirts that say we are the daughters of the witches you didn't burn mm. and i felt like that i felt like she was rising up on mm. behalf of her mother and yeah. i loved that when she went back to see her mother sorry Spoilers, but let's be honest, you've all seen it. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it, she can't save her mother, but she can yeah. save the future. Yeah. And it wasn't this nice, neat little bow where the mother goes, oh, you're back. You know, it was really, it, it, it was the anger of the damage done that yes. fueled her rage and therefore her power, mm. but also her focus and her understanding of connection and friendship. So I, I think it's a remarkable show and you are remarkable in it. And had it not had someone like you or specifically actually you, in the lead, I think it could have just been a sort of schlocky 80s fun retrospective. I don't... You know what? I always think about it, and I go, what if I wasn't in the show, right? And someone yeah. else... Because 600 girls went for my role. Wow. So had someone else gotten it, would I have watched it? Mm. How would it have gone? Yeah. I mean, it still would have been a great success because of the, you know, Winona Ryder's in it, so we can all just shut up. Yeah. But, like, <laughs> you know, I can't enjoy it like other people enjoy it. Yeah, oh, like no, of course not. You know, no, not, you not can't only, enjoy anything Not even the, the other way. scenes, because I know it. <laughs> you yeah. know, we sit on a table like this and say you are the crew and we're doing the read-through and we read through all eight episodes and it's, yeah. it's, it's you already know it. But it is really exciting when you're sat there and someone dies and you're like... And everybody bangs the table really hard. Oh, it's, a rowdy, it's a rowdy read-through. Does, is the actor who's died, though, crying a bit because they've lost their job? No, they all kind <laughs> of was like, oh, someone's died and that like, person's oh, going. Oh, oh, no, no. oh, God, no, that's horrible. No, it was horrible. actually really sad. Jacob Montgomery, who plays Billy, he, yes. we were caught kind of all like, is he sad? And then he was like, yeah, it's okay. Like, it's fine. I'm going to go be a successful actor anyway. <laughs> and, you know, like, it was still okay, but yeah. we were all... It was kind of like the first big, huge death yes. of a main character, and it's kind of scary. But then we, like, look around, and we're like, it could be us. Like, yeah. And then I'm going to be crying, you know? It's not going to be funny. I'm going to sue all of you. But it's, 
<laughs> but it must be, yeah, I didn't even think about that. To be in something that is such a cultural phenomenon mm. and then, but you're in it, so you can't enjoy it no. like mm. we have. Not like everyone has, no. But that's then I guess that's the same thing with anything. Well, I listen to your podcast and you won't listen it to it the way I listen to it. No, we, we have listening parties. We listen to the whole thing, but get, no, we don't. <laughs> I was like, my God, Absolutely we get together every don't. week, sit around like it's an old-fashioned radio. Oh, that was radio. a very funny bit that you did. No, no. I used no. to listen to every episode before it went out to make sure I was happy oh. with the edit. But after a while, Tom got so good at, at editing and knowing what I would say. Yeah. And I've got to the point, and I just, sometimes I really hate hearing my own voice. I sort of think, I listen, I think, shut up. <laughs> shut the fuck up. You've interrupted someone. Cause, and it's out of excitement and out of ADHD and stuff. Yeah. But I hear myself interrupt and I just cringe and I hate myself. And I think, why are you talking over her? No, or, you know what annoys me is that when I was little, I went on a press tour and I have four, four um, incredible uh, boys that I work with. Yeah. And we would do press tours together and sit there and on talk shows... And I would get really excited because I have so much to say. And then I would be like, oh, God. And I would talk over them. And they would also talk over me. But it, would, it was kind of like we were 12. Yeah. And I got absolutely so heavily bullied by the media for doing it. And I never spoke again in interviews because I, I just didn't want to even acknowledge oh. the fact that I was even in the interview. So I would just sit there <laughs> oh. dear, uh, in the headlights because I felt like I couldn't speak. And I think, you know what? Talk over people because you've got something to say. And we're all excited to be here. Yeah. And I don't say, I don't think that because I'm a girl or because you're a boy, you don't have anything to say. We can all talk at the same time and it's fun like that, you know? It's, 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 so I think it's really, I, I think we should talk over each other. That's so bizarre <laughs> that someone would watch like a 12-year-old and be like, talking too much. <laughs> Shut Shut it up, shut it up. Mm-mm-mm-mm. I love no. that. It's like, have you met 12-year-olds? Yeah. Like, what do they expect? That's so utterly bizarre. That makes me so sad that you're not able to just be excited. You've done a thing at 12. Again, picking scabs. You were there on like Letterman you need to with your friends. That. And you're there. You're excited. It's like, just let the girl let be a Let a 12-year-old kid. be 12-year-old, Jesus, yeah. people are scumbags. That Uzi, two years villain. I swear to God. <laughs> Fuck. Um, Sorry. Sorry. Have you got a question? Yes, I do. <laughs> um, this is a question from Astrid. Astrid, make yourself known. Hey, hello, Astrid. Um, love that name. It's a favourite name of mine. Um, like, genuinely. Oh, your mother. Great choice. That's what uh, my mum would do. She'd be like, it's all because of me. You yeah. came out of me. It's like, so it's all about giving birth. All about it. I remember I once asked my mum, what was giving birth to me like? And she went, shut up. <laughs> My, this is true, my birth mother, because I'm adopted, uh, I only found her about 10 years ago, and she told me that, um, I asked about my birth, and she said, um, I gave birth for three days behind a sheet, because I wasn't allowed to see who I was giving birth to, because she was an unmarried mother's home, and it was a deep shame. And so I came out behind a sheet, and I never got to pop through the curtain, 
and say hi to her. And I wonder why I'm a show business. I'm a show business. I'm a show business. That is that hey. is that is a top Trump show business story. Yeah, so when right. I was like, you know, my mum just didn't hug me enough, and then you're like, I was born behind a curtain. You're like, fuck. <laughs> you I win. hope it was a red velvet one. <laughs> Hello, world. Astrid, Astrid's mother, welcome. This is your question for Millie. Uh, what's the most important thing you've learned working with UNICEF? Oh, I mean, I, it's an ongoing thing because it's like they're so incredible and um, it's always been a really big dream of mine. Um, Can you explain briefly what UNICEF is? Because some yes. of our global listeners yes. may not know. Yes, so UNICEF is an organisation that helps people all around the world in conflicted areas, um, people like refugees or young children seeking education or shelter. And UNICEF is an incredible organisation that helps young people and people in general to find help and it's a really broad term but they really do everything they're like Harrods um, <laughs> Harrods Harrods you know Harrods do everything yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what about Tiger, they, they are they are amazing and uh, they just <laughs> the Harrods of the <laughs> Harrods they, well, they the used to do world. everything they don't do anything anymore they used to have a pet shop what Harrods. they used to sell Harrods, elephants not UNICEF. Oh, it's oh, sorry, no, no 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 UNICEF. not UNICEF I know it's back to UNICEF um, <laughs> sorry um UNICEF is amazing, and I <laughs> used to watch the adverts, you know, donate, and I used to be like, we've got to donate everything, I, and I said, like, as soon as I work, I'm going to donate everything I have, because, because they deserve it, because they're helping the people of the world, and um, so anyways, I kind of got into the industry, realised, oh god, I have kind of a platform, I'm going to just do things for them, and just hope that they even just look in my direction, and so I went to events and, and hosted some galas and really had a lot of fun, and I was 12, and I just met some, I mean, children, refugees who have been through so much and told their stories, and I was just so unbelievably grateful and didn't really even deserve to be on the same stage. I just kind of watched in the UN and was just like, wow. just in awe of not only the people that work there, but the people that are helped um, by UNICEF. And so then they were like, yo, do you want to be an ambassador? And I was like, oh, no, like, I'm going to die. Like, I'm going to die if you ever honor me, something like that. Um, and I, I got honored to be an ambassador and I fully cried for the whole day and uh, wore blue nails in representation of World Children's Day. And so my work with them is really focused on, on children yeah. and uh, bringing girls' education um, to the forefront of everyone's mind, creating schools that are closer to people's communities so the girls don't have to walk so far. Um, lots of girls don't do that because of the fear of them being harassed or mm -hmm. um, abused. And so um, everywhere, I mean, we are lucky we are in a place where, you know, we still deal with those issues, but places all around the world deal with those issues on a different level. Mm -hmm. And so UNICEF really gave me that voice to help young girls out there in receiving an education, a secondary education, so that they can get higher income and they can, mm -hmm. you know, have children at the time that they want to have children and marry the people that they want to marry. So, yeah. Amazing. I'm delighted you're doing that, Millie. And when you say you have kind of a platform, you have 45 million Instagram followers. Just, just a small clear. gathering of friends. Yeah, but as soon as you say that, like, it freaks me out. You yeah, know, it, I understand it's, it's that. It's scary. But it's great that you're using it in various ways. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I referenced Judy Garland before. You know, mm -hmm. there was a whole generation of 
brilliantly talented girls, young women, teens, and then you know young women in their 20s who were really used by the system. And I kind of love, I just love it that you're going, okay, I'm going to have this skincare range because I see that a lot of things that, you know, young women are putting their faces, but also then you kind of own the game. You're not coming back to them going, please, can I have a paycheck? Please, can I have a paycheck? Mm-hmm. While they make money off the 45 million people who would go and see a Judy Garland film. Mm-hmm. She'd get one fee. Like, mm. you're going, not that I'm comparing you to Judy Garland. It seems like I'm obsessed with Judy Garland. <laughs> no, but I am too. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean, though? Like, yes. I, I'm just using her as an example yes. of a young woman who was, like, chewed up and spent. You're going, well, hold on. If 45 million people like me, then I can influence them to uh, look over here at what UNICEF are doing. Mm. Yeah. Or I can go... Point you know, them in the right direction, for yeah, sure. Because I think social media is the worst place on of all time. Yes. Um, I know you specifically, Susie. I mean, I see the work that you do, and it's... A horrible place mm. and so I'm like okay well when people come onto my page they can be happy and they can see people actually being helped or they can learn or they can laugh and they're seeing a real girl and of course I like to post my little like selfies and be like Ew. but like <laughs> you know then I get real and I just use it as a place of fun and then I was like do you know what I'm not posting anything personal anymore like you don't you yeah. don't get to see that part of me you get to see the things that I choose to put yes. out in the world and if that's me telling you to go and help you know Malala Yousafzai promote her book or you know you do that because um that's what I'm putting out there in the world and that's what I choose and I hope that if there's a 12 year old that's told Instagram that they're 18 Mm. (laughs) and they've created an account they're going onto my account and they're not being exploited to the horrible world that's out there absolutely absolutely I mean yeah it is I was so torn with social media because when I first discovered it I cannot tell you how different it was I mean I've left Twitter now um for various reasons me too it's just gross and useless and but but the thing that's so brilliant about it that I loved was that it gave visibility and voices to people who wouldn't normally have that, and um, people like in a, a very kind of small um, way, you know, people could promote their businesses in a way that they didn't need to, you know, hire this person or go through this way. They could generate that income themselves, or they can like things like. Um, Afro hair care. Like, as a child, all I was told was that your hair is awful and it's gross and it's disgusting. And now you, there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of videos of black women and black femmes and black non-binary people looking after and being proud of their hair, shaving it all off, doing all this amazing stuff that I do sit there and I go, God, if I was 12 and I saw mm. this, this would have changed my whole relationship to beauty, how I see myself. And those things are powerful. It may seem very thin, it's absolutely powerful. That's what I love about it. But my God, it can be absolutely disgusting. And I understand the pullback of not wanting to put personal stuff on there because you think, actually, do people need to see that? Do I need to put that out there? Do they deserve it? Do they deserve yeah. it? I think, and that's for anyone. That you know, you don't need to be a you know movie star to even have that question. It's just about going. I think we need to really look at the way that it's being monetized and everything like that. We need to really mm. question how much we put of our, our, ourselves there because God, we're we're precious. And I don't know whether the people, the powers that be that that are in charge of that stuff necessarily understand that. It's, you know, it's just money, isn't it? So anyway, that was my <laughs> speech. Um, I, I loved it. Yeah, I feel you're absolutely right. (laughs) 
Hello, Guilty Feminists. I'll be doing my stand-up show about coming out as bisexual and going in through some psychedelics. That will never be on the podcast, those stories, because the podcast is on the internet. And that is where the stories cannot be. Uh, So if you'd like to see that show and you live in London, you can come to the Soho Theatre, but I would book tickets now because the first run sold out entirely. That stand-up show is from the 26th of April to the 7th of May at Soho Theatre. Get your tickets now. I hope to tour it at a later date if you're not in London. But do you know where we are touring? Well, with the Guilty Feminist live show, which is lots of comedians, lots of fun, lots of local feminists, uh, music. Uh, We are having a phenomenal time. We'll be in Liverpool on the 22nd of April. We'll be in Sheffield on the 23rd of April. And we will be with Jessica Foster-Q, Sophie Duca, Celia A.B. and Jess Robinson. You will come to this show to refuel and you will leave fully renewed. Get your tickets now. If you don't live in either of those places, don't worry. We're coming somewhere near you. Go to guiltyfeminist.com to find out where and when. If you want to get some more confidence and power, why not try our Big Speeches Workshop with Jessica Regan? And if you like this podcast, but you'd like it ad-free, join our Patreon and you'll get some other goodies too. For details on all of these things, you know where to go, guiltyfeminist.com. And now back to the podcast. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Would you like to see some stand-up comedy? Then please, welcome to the mic, the incredible Susan McCormack! Hi, is this thing on? It is. Um, hi, guys. Um, so, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I always do this. I always do this. I'm not going to do stand-up. I'm just going to talk to you. I'm just going to talk to you guys. I'm just going to talk to you because I'm not a stand-up comedian. I am here, but I'm not. Um, and I have, to, I have to be really careful, actually, because um, I've been going out back into the world and seeing people, and I'm very anxious, but I'm doing it. Hello. And uh, I bumped into a couple of comedians, and um, they're not best pleased. They're not best pleased about me. And uh, I've had a couple of icy receptions from comedians. And I asked my friend, Eleanor, I was like, dude, like, I run up to these people. I'm like, hi. And they're like, hi. And I'm like, oh, shady. They're like, babes, you haven't done the circuit. You haven't done the circuit. You haven't been to Bolton. You haven't been to Leicester. You haven't been to Portsmouth. And I was like, tis true. So 
I've got to be careful about calling myself a comedian. So I'm just going to talk to you guys. So, yes, guys, you know that Millie, our guest, turned 18. She turned 18, which means that she's a woman, which means that she's an adult, because that's what happens at midnight, um, because we're mad. Um, uh, who remembers their 18th birthday? Just by sound of whoops, who remembers their 18th birthday? Whoop. Uh, curious, who isn't 18 yet? Whoop. I'm joking. <laughs> welcome. No, welcome. So my my 18th birthday took place on my birthday, obviously. <laughs> Good start. Uh, took place on my birthday. My birthday is on New Year's Eve. Um, are there any New Year's Eve babies here? Whoop if there are. <gasps> a special! <laughs> oh my god! I literally, as a child, I built my whole personality having a birthday on New Year's Eve. No joke. I would do that game. Um, uh, it's like a drama game, which they would say like, say two lies and one truth, and I'd be like, <sighs> my birthday is on New Year's Eve. Guess. And they'd be like, probably is. I'm like, shit. Okay. <laughs> I just thought it was like Jesus or like Britney Spears. I thought it was magical. And then I did, I, re- I think I realised that Elizabeth Arden is born on New Year's Eve. I was like, classy. Um, and then Anthony Hopkins. I was like, I don't know who that old man is. But, um, <laughs> but uh, my 18th birthday party was at the now defunct, I don't know, God, who knows? Who's a lot? No, don't need to whoop. I had my birthday party at a club called the Buzz Bar. This was just off... I heard a... <laughs> Who knows Buzz Bar? Ah, hello! <laughs> Hiya! So Buzz Bar was this <laughs> rank club just off Leicester Square back in the day when you did go out in Leicester Square, which you, trust me, you don't do now. If I see you clubbing in Leicester Square, I'm going to judge you. We don't do that. We go to Dalston, we go to Shoreditch. That's what we do now. No, please go out in Leicester Square. It was amazing. So it was this club called Buzz Bar and that's where I had my 18th and my I remember my dress I picked out this a fugly dress it was red highly flammable and I looked like I looked like it was like a saloon bar like a saloon bar wench from like you know the the film Wild Wild West and then I was wearing these like cardboard red shoes with a bow (laughs) and I had my weave in my first weave because I wasn't allowed to weave until I was 18 and then I was just flinging it in people's faces thinking I was Beyonce and to be honest I have seen pictures of that night I do look really pretty um (laughs) sweating sweating in that get up um and I just remember having the best time of my life and I I feel like it got me thinking about that moment where you become a woman because if you saw me that night I didn't look like a woman. I looked like a, a fancy-dressed baby. But in my head, I was like, womanhood, I'm a woman. I got responsibilities in cardboard shoes. <laughs> I cannot stress to you how cardboard they were. So um, I, <laughs> I was desperate to go out because I'm from a Nigerian family and they were very, very strict about New Year's Eve. Um, so what, until the age of 18, I spent every New Year's Eve in the church. Oh, yeah. It was like a shit rave. So there would be <laughs> loads of us there and 
all these parents, they've just dragged their fucking kids. And they're like, we are going to pray until the sun comes up. And it'd just be all us kids. We'd start playing. We'd like fall asleep at nine. We're on the floor just crying whilst all the parents are like, ah, Jesus, Jesus, save us. And us kids were like, I'm so sleepy. And then we'd go out at like six in the morning. My mum's there like, yeah, I'm ready for the year. And I'm like, I'm sleepy. So I knew. It was really weird because I knew that I was gearing up. I was gearing up to that moment where I was going to be like, Mum, I'm 18. I'm ready to party. You can't really say that to your mum. <laughs> like, I'm ready to party, bitch. Um, so I gently said, Mum, uh, so uh, I'm going to turn 18 and like... Um, I really want to go out. It's going to be the first New Year's Eve that a lot of my friends are going out and like, uh, do I have your permission, please? I've got this really lovely, flammable red dress that I just want to look gorgeous in. Please, mum. And she was like, yeah, you're okay. I was like, fuck, okay. All right, okay, here we go. So I bought the dress and woke up in the morning. I was like, I'm a woman, bollocks. But that's what I felt. And she called me downstairs. She was like, Suzanne, come downstairs. So I came downstairs. She was like, Happy birthday, my dear. I was like, hi, thanks, mom. I feel like a woman. She's like, okay. <laughs> my dear, my dear, I had a dream. I'm just going to put a nice pin in that. When a Nigerian mother says, I had a dream, it will not be good. <laughs> in fact, when a Nigerian mother says, I had a dream, she means I had a nightmare. I'll walk you through it. So she went, I just, I saw you, I just saw you in my dream. And you are walking down the street and you are wearing a dress. Mm, what color was it? I think it was red. <laughs> I was like, yeah? Yes, you're walking down the street. It was your birthday. So today, I was like, got it, yeah. And this man just came up behind you and beheaded you. <laughs> Anyway, happy birthday. <laughs> so best believe I was walking around Leicester Square like, oh, oh, ha, sh, ha, who's that? Who's that? It's like, oh, yo, Susan, it's just me. I'm like, don't touch my neck, don't touch my neck, don't touch my neck. I was scared. It worked. It worked. I didn't let any man touch me. I was like, do you have a samurai sword on you? <laughs> No, they checked us at the door. They didn't check us at the door. That's why we all went to Buzzbar. Um, so then I was thinking about the moments, the moments in my life where I feel like I actually did become a woman. I didn't become a woman that moment. So I'm going to just run you down uh, the top 10 moments where I felt I became a woman in my life. So number one, first time I bought my own cutlery. This was... <laughs> I was 23. I was living with my first really serious boyfriend. We were together, I think, three years by that point. We were living in a lovely, actually a fucking lovely house in Blackheath. That when I go past, I go, shit, it was so nice. And it was like, I think it was 800 pounds each. No, not each, um, together. So 400 pounds each to rent. That doesn't exist in London anymore. It was gorgeous. It had a garden. Um, so yes, we moved in and I thought that we'd made it. And so I skipped off down to Lewisham Shopping Centre, Poundland. And I bought a selection of knives and forks and spoons. <laughs> Number two. Next moment where I felt like I was a woman. I was living 
in Highgate as a student. Now, if you don't know what, yeah, in it. If you don't know what Highgate is, let me just tell you what it is. It's a very high point of London, hence Highgate. So much so when you come out of the tube station, the air feels different. I remember the first time I went to Highgate, I was like, shit, is that oxygen? Shit, the bed, what? And I lived there, I went to RADA. And so I lived there in Highgate, living my best life of three years, enjoying it. I was bougie, I was going to bakeries, I was getting papers and orange juice in the Saturday morning. Like, cool. Like, anytime I went out to the club and I would tell the driver, yo, I need to go back home. They're like, where? I wasn't saying south of the river. And they'd be like, get out. That's the thing. Uh, If you live south of the river and you're trying to get a taxi, they will not take you there. I'm a South East Londoner, I'm from Peckham, so I'm used to that. So when I'd be like, thanks guys, but I enjoyed the, the high life for three years. So I went to Highgate, I'd be like, Highgate please. I'd be like, oh, well, well, yes ma'am. Well, yes ma'am. So I really enjoyed it. Um, so that was another moment until I had to leave Highgate because then I had to pay council tax and it was twice the amount of rent. Um, number three, tampons. Uh, I, yeah... We're going there. I, well, listen, so when I had my period, I started using pads because my mum was like, that's what you do because if you use a tampon, you lose your virginity. (laughs) I was like, how did you make me? Um, (laughs) I remember being in double science when I was in year nine and I had a pad and I was like, I'm sick of this shit. I was so uncomfortable. I was on the stool. I was pissed off. I was like, this is shit. I don't understand what any of, like, what Mrs. Fage is saying. And then Victoria came up to me. She was actually the sweetest girl. She was like, are you okay? And I was like, oh, I like this thing. It's like saggy. And double science is long, so I need to change it. But, like, no one's going to let me because I'm in a girls' school, so no one doesn't give a fuck. I like, don't care. She was like, have you heard of tampons? I was like, yeah, I've heard of tampons, but I want to stay a virgin. <laughs> Not a slag. <laughs> she handed me one. And then I, I remember walking out the cubicle as after I inserted it. I was like, I am a woman. I'm a woman. I can do sports and things and nothing is drooping in between my legs. Um, so that was a real moment. Uh, number four um, next moment where I felt like I was an adult three day hangovers number five (laughs) needing to stretch before doing a slut drop (laughs) number six needing to stretch after doing a slut drop (laughs) the struggle's real I've got to prepare. If someone's like, do you want to go to the club? I'm like, I need three days prep. (laughs) Number seven, my first proper job. When I had my first proper job in Madame Two Swords. Yes, I was 18. And I was like, right, I'm here to make magic happen. It was weird. It was a weird fucking place. I remember (laughs) this girl came in and we had Lady Gaga when she had the telephone thing on her head. She had like the telephone... I think she, it was from Jonathan Ross and she had a hat that was a telephone. And this girl was like, ah! Lady Gaga! I was like, the fuck? I've taken so much Pro Plus and like Red Bull and I was hungover because that was a constant state. And I was like, shit, like, like turn it down a notch. Like, she's not there. It was very weird. But I felt really grown up. I had a paycheck and everything. 
And then um, my next thing was my first workplace romance. That was, that's number seven. I felt like a grown up. Also at Madden Two Swords with a Hugh Grant lookalike. <laughs> Four weddings and a funeral, Hugh Grant. We're talking of the floppy hair. Um, he was cute. Like, he was, it was weird though. Um, <laughs> it was weird. Number nine. Um, next time I felt like a grown up. The day no one asks you for ID. Mmm. That day hasn't happened for me. <laughs> black don't crack. Uh, number 10. The day you realise that black does crack if you don't use SPF. But my God, what is wrong with cracking? What is wrong with cracking? To grow old, you don't, most of you don't know this yet, but to grow old, right, is a fucking privilege. Like, we should be happy and we should be honoured and we shouldn't be scared. We should be using FPF to protect our skin from the sun, yes, but also, like, yeah, sure, you have a few wrinkles. So, I think of my, myself at 18 in Buzz Bar in the disgusting, hideous fucking can-can red dress and the cardboard shoes and the sweat-out weave twirling to lean back by Fat Joe. Do you remember that? Lean back. Lean back. That's literally what I was doing. Surrounded by her girlfriends. And I just want to say to her, babes, enjoy it all. Enjoy it all. And just know that you're meant to be grown up now, but you're never really going to grow up. Not ever. You're going to be doing (laughs) jokes in front of people in lovely rooms. And that is how it should be. Thank you so much for listening to me. Lovely people of King's Place, London. Please welcome to the stage for some stand up comedy, Deborah Francis White! I think you'll agree with me, Susan McComa is a stand up comedian. She doesn't need to go to Bolton to prove it. It's true. Anyone who says you're not a stand up comedian, they're just wrong. So uh, it's International Women's Day season. It's more of a season now than a day, I think you'll agree. Uh, I'm getting to the end of it now, and I find it exhausting. I don't know how men deal with having the rest of the year to themselves. <laughs> I am so tired, because I'm like feminist Father Christmas. I've got to be so many places. Right now, I'm both here and in Glasgow and in Belgium. Um, I'm on a Zoom as well. Uh, it's, it's the whole thing. And I don't know how it's happened, I'll be absolutely honest with you, because now I seem to be a professional woman. I don't mean I'm a professional woman. I mean, I'm a, I'm a, I mean, I'm a woman for a living. They ring me up. The BBC are constantly ringing me up, like radio stations and stuff. And they ring me up and they go, um, Kim Kardashian said something. And I'm like, has she? They go, Would you like to comment on it? I'm like, why? I don't know her. I've, uh, we've got nothing in common. She lives in a different country. But, well, she said a thing about uh, being a woman. Or she is a woman. You're also a woman. Would you like to professionally comment what on the radio yeah what but what but why because you're a woman well are you also ringing up joe lysett every time bojo says something stupid because if not please go away how has this happened to me that i have become a person who is consulted on other women i get it all the time it's part of IWD season as well, International Women's Day season. It's, it's sort of just, it's, it's partly Britain. Did you know that in, um, in Italy, they celebrate International Women's Day by giving women flowers? Yeah. And in France, they give uh, sweets. In Ukraine, they traditionally have a bank holiday for everyone. 
And in Britain, we celebrate International Women's Day by having a series of meetings in which women explain to each other how difficult it is to be a woman. (laughs) That's how we celebrate here. That's how we celebrate. So I've been getting a lot of those phone calls. Um, I find them sometimes frustrating. Sometimes I like to go on and talk about it, but sometimes I feel like they ring me up with a slight edge. There's an edge. A couple of Christmases ago, this is my favourite one, uh, someone rang up and said... um, uh, just uh, just wanted to know if you want to come on the radio because uh, we'd like you to discuss uh, something that's happening in the news. I was like, oh, okay, something feminist, yeah. They've banned Baby It's Cold Outside. <laughs> They've banned it. They've banned it. And we think as a feminist, you'll probably approve of them banning the song Baby It's Cold Outside. They've banned Baby It's Cold Outside and we think we think that you will approve of that and we'd like you to come on the radio and say that. And I said... They've banned Baby It's Cold Outside. I don't approve of that. I said, they've banned it. I don't think they should ban it. I said, I said, does that mean I can't sing it in the privacy of my own home? And they went, oh, no, no. And I said, but I couldn't sing it in a karaoke bar. They said, oh, no, you could. And I said, but Adele and Harry Styles couldn't drop it as a Christmas single. And they went, oh, no, they could. I said, well, then how has it been banned? <laughs> and the guy went, well, some radio stations are playing Jingle Bell Rock instead. <laughs> how is that banning it? I said, how is that banning it? That's not banning it. I said, uh, why do you think that some radio stations have decided to play something else instead? And he went, well, it's because of uh, it's Me Too movement, isn't it? And I said, oh, so Me Too's having a moment. So some people have decided maybe it's not the year to sing a song that includes the line, maybe I've rehypnology a drink. <laughs> do you think that's it? He said, yeah, but where's it going to end then? Are they going to ban Jingle Bell Rock? I said, I don't know. I haven't analysed the lyrics clearly. I don't... I don't really know what, I mean, what does it say? Is it jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell rock? I've got a webcam in your bedroom. Because if so, that's going to come out and they're going to ban it. They're going to ban it. Come, they told him. Not all men. Not all men. Or perhaps all Christmas songs have a men's rights activist agenda to them. And we, as feminists, are going to seek them out and we're going to ban them. We're going to ban them all. We're going to ban them. I said, I don't, I don't want to be banning things. They, I was going to stop asking me to be Mary Whitehouse. That's what they want. They want me to be Mary. Some young people won't know who Mary Whitehouse is. She was a lady in the 80s. She was, like a, she was actually like a professional house. She was a housewife. And, I, and even as I said, I'm a feminist, but I'm, I'm describing a woman as a housewife, but I actually do think that's how she identified. Her pronouns were house and wife. <laughs> So she was, she'd say, I'm a bad house, I'm banned. She'd always be saying, ban things, you know, ban this filth, ban, down with this sort of thing, ban this filth. And I don't want to ban things. I don't want to ban things at all. I'm a comedian. I'm, I'm happy-go-lucky. I want people to have sex in the street. I, I don't want to, but stop asking me to come on a radio and say I want to ban things. I don't want to ban things. And I said, in fact, here's the thing. I'm on the way to do a show, a Christmas show. When I got this call, I was literally on the way to do a Christmas show that we were doing with the Guilty Feminist in Hammersmith. And the guests that we had on that night were from Shelter. And they were there specifically to talk about the fact that they'd made a deal with boarding schools that people who were homeless, because it was so cold over that Christmas, could come in for the duration of uh, from Christmas Eve to New Year's Day and they could have a warm bed and they'd get warm meals for the whole duration of that time. For which, I mean, obviously that's a brilliant scheme and at the same time, why aren't the government doing it? That's not okay. But also, you know what I thought mostly? Can you imagine being in that situation and being taken to Eton... And looking around and thinking, if they'd sent me here a few years before, I wouldn't be in this situation. 
Do you know what I mean? I was like, it was galling to be sleeping in David Cameron's old bed. Sleeping, just eating where Boris Johnson had all of his meals. And then it's like New Year's Day. It's not that cold, now leave. I mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine? So I said to this person who rang me, I said to the guy, I said, look, here's the thing. I will not come on the radio and have this fake fight about a 50-year-old song because I don't really care if people play Baby It's Cold Outside or not. I don't think it's going to change much. Obviously, I would like those kinds of things not to be, like, you know, in our face, constantly, you know, reinforcing a culture. But I don't think it's going to be the difference, really, between anything. If people really want to play Baby It's Cold Outside, I don't care. I don't want to go and have a fake fight so you can wind up all the feminists to go, whoa, you're not banning it enough. And then wind up all the other people going, you shouldn't be banning things because nobody at the BBC really cares about this song you care about winding people up so there's lots of people angry and doing clicks and writing on Twitter and causing up a shitstorm and I said actually at some point in the future when climate change has come to get us and when we are in a situation where there is there is there is such a polarization in this country and we are in a situation where inequality is so extremely bad that we are going to have more people we're going to have to open more boarding schools to have all the people who are homeless just whipped in there over Christmas I said I said you know look why don't you get me on the radio so that I could talk to someone who can do something about these problems and in fact why is it me it should be someone with lived experience of homelessness talking to a minister who can actually do something about it and you are going to look back on this day and you're going to look at your part in this in 10 years time and you are going to regret that you spent time ringing people up to talk about a 50 year old Christmas song. I'll come on the radio but I'll only come on the radio to say baby it's cold outside and there are people living on the street and we've got to do something about it. And the guy said I'm only a researcher (laughs) but I'll talk to my boss. And I said, yeah, like, actually do. Because if all the researchers said, I don't want to do this, and all those bosses said to their bosses, I don't want to do this, I don't want to do this, this doesn't feel right, you know, it would change something. And I, I actually don't want to ban things. I'm Generation X, as I said before, which means I, as we've established, uh, could be Winona Ryder, but didn't have the forethought to do that, nor did I have the forethought to give birth to Millie Bobby Brown. I've had the forethought to do nothing. But I'll tell you what I am at Generation X. There's a lot of young people in this country who'll go, like... like ban things and there's a lot of old people in this country who go what they want to do is ban banning things Uh, they're very upset that people ban things they're like can we ban the concept of banning things and there's lots of banning and I feel sometimes I'm in the middle of that and I'm going I don't think we need to ban things as much as we need to talk to each other I really do think we need to talk to each other. And the example I'll give of this is I was recently at a very fancy uh, event in the film industry and I was speaking to someone extremely senior a man called Brian (laughs) I'll call him Brian because that's not his name and I can't say his real name to you. But I was, I was at this event with this man called Brian, very, very senior in the film industry and he'd been in the industry for years and he has a proper position in it. And uh, next to me and Brian was a woman called uh, Judith and she was also senior. They were both white people in their 50s um, and uh, Judith had a, quite a job in a, quite a conservative sector. And we were all chatting and uh, you know, he asked me what I did and I said I did a podcast called The Guilty Feminist and he went... Hmm. What's um what's the use of feminism in 2022? And I thought he meant that in a helpful way. Like, you know, what's your on your agenda? 
So I said, oh, you know, sometimes your guess is as good as mine, Brian. I said, you know, sometimes I wonder what are we doing? Are we just trying to get more women like Pretty Patel into the cabinet? Like it's it's confusing topic, you know. I do see that. But I said, I'm very pleased to say that feminism's done something extraordinary this week. Um, some women took the Met Police to court. It was a collective called Reclaim These Streets. And they fought and won because they should have been able to have a vigil for Sarah Everard, who was killed, brutally killed, and brutally hurt before she was killed and assaulted by a police officer. And the court saw that that was right. And so that is an act of feminism where there'll be precedent in the law that they cannot stop us protesting in the same way. And I think that's worth doing. And Brian said, yeah, sometimes I find it confusing with women, though, because some women dress in a way so as to be sexually irresistible to men. And Judith, bless her, because I didn't know which way it was going to (laughs) go, said, well, Brian, it's only confusing if you don't realise that women are people. (laughs) Bless her. She said, yeah, I can see how it would be confusing if you didn't understand that a woman was not something for you to resist or not be able to resist, but a human person. And he went, yeah, yeah, but I'm just saying women dress in a certain way and it's like they're trying to lure men in. And, uh, and, you know, that's where it gets confusing. And I said, what's that got to do with hurting a woman? And he went, no, I'm just saying approaching. I said, I don't mind being approached as long as a man doesn't mind hearing me say no. I said, but it's nothing to do with what we were just talking about, which was the murder of a woman. And he went, yeah, yeah, but I'm just saying. And I said, you know, Brian, there are some places in this world where women dress in a way where they cover their whole body and their face, and those women are still hurt. And in this country, in Victorian times, during the, you know, Enola Holmes era, women wore things from their necks to their ankles, and women still got hurt. And if you don't think that women got hurt as much, please look at the stats. And I said, and Sarah Everett was wearing jeans and a jumper. So in what way, in what way is this confusing for you? And he went, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. the man who killed Sarah Everett was just one lone madman. I said, no, he wasn't. He was part of a system. You've seen the WhatsApps from the police. You've seen the photographs. You've seen other things. He wasn't. He was, he was upheld by that system. He had a horrible nickname. He was upheld by that system. And he said, yeah, yeah, well, I'm just saying, I'm just saying uh, that sometimes it's confusing. And for example, he said, there's a woman here who I find annoying. He said, and you know, I will say, I would never do anything. I would never do anything inappropriate. He said, I work with women. Some of them are attractive. Some of them aren't. <laughs> I said, Brian, I'm going to stop you right there. Some of them aren't to you, but it's really not very appropriate for you as a senior man in the film industry, to be lining the woman up, even in your mind, to be lining the women up and deciding which ones are attractive and which ones aren't. But he said, well, okay, well, this, there's one woman. I find her quite difficult. I was like, I wonder how she finds you, but you've never stopped to ask. <laughs> but anyway, she recommended that a young actress, up-and-coming actress, be invited to an event. And he said, and it was an important event, and he said, and I looked at her social media, and there she was, posing on a beach in a bikini in a very sexualized way. And I thought, well, she's not coming. And I went, okay, um, all right. So, firstly, uh, I think every woman in this room, and there was a lot of women in the room, a lot of people in this room, I said, I think every person in this room has been to the beach. And I think every woman in this room has worn a swimsuit on a beach. I don't think any of us have not been to a beach. So what's the problem here with this woman? And he went, oh, well, it's just that she was posing very sexually. I said, well, that's how you read it. Um, And he said, but it's just not appropriate for a professional woman who's meant to be an actress. 
And I said, I just want you to look around this room, Brian. I want you to look around this room. Judith was loving it. I just, I said, in this room, there's a lot of paraphernalia for James Bond because it's an anniversary year. Every room you go into in the film industry is a lot of paraphernalia for James Bond. And I said, do you know how women, young actresses, have been asked to aspire for decades by James Bond? By a picture of a woman coming out of the ocean in a bikini in a sexualized fashion. Do you know how they've been asked to aspire? They've been asked to aspire to wake up dead in James Bond's bed covered in a substance. That's how they've been asked to aspire. And what you're saying to me is you don't want women to unwrap themselves. You want them to come to you like a wrapped sweetie so you can unwrap them. And then you can sexualize them and you can commodify them. You don't want that woman on Instagram getting a cut of the bikini sales. You want to give her a paycheck and then when she's yesterday's news or when she gets a bit old, you're going to tell her to sod off. That's what you want, Brian. You want women who are demure, who are covered up, who are uncommercialized because you want to do all of those things to them. And that's what this industry wants to do to them. And that's why you won't accept anyone who's already posed in a bikini before you've told them to take their kit off. And he said, you should come here and join our committee. We've got committees. You should be on a committee. (laughs) And that's why we should be having conversations. Thank you very much. Judith backed me to the hilt. She backed me to the hilt. And she mentioned trans women very early as well. And I was like, Judith, you are a mensch. And she was in her 50s. She was in a conservative mm-hmm. shoot, but she was there. And the two of us, and I just saw her later in the loo and we just high-fived. We're just like, yes, come on. But he, said, he literally said to me, you should be on a committee. Isn't, isn't that an extraordinary Please story? Please go. I think I'm going to be on a committee. Yeah. Sit <laughs> there. Change it. She said, we have panels. And he said, you should be saying was these Was he things. old? He wasn't that old. Oh, I'm so, so sorry. He's still got life to go. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I'm, so you could have... You could was have he nearly time. dead, is what you're saying? Yes. No, he was uh, nowhere near dead. So then you need to go onto the committee, you need to change it. Uh, he sounds old, doesn't he? he sounds like yeah, he sounds like he's, no, he's, he's from a different generation. Yes, well, that was what was so horrendous, is that you think, oh, okay, this must be like someone who's beyond help. And actually, no, like the things that he was saying is just... You know, the classic, we say it as jokes here. Oh, somebody said, oh, you know, women dress provocatively. No, it, and we go, lol, 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 lol. The, the fact that that was said as a reason, any kind of reasoning in 2022 was just like, again, why one of my I'm a feminist butts are like, this is taking ages. Like, that is long. That's long yeah. that you don't get it. That's very, very strange. Yeah, but it was such... I realise I'm in such a bubble when I'm in that situation. How long was the conversation? Oh, I mean, as long as sort of what you saw there. Like, oh, but long, I mean, it was longer because but obviously I'm we went back and forth. I'm proud of him for sitting there and listening. You know, I feel like I've also talked to people oh, yeah. that just <laughs> shut but off and kept, walk out. He just, and I'm trying to lure it. I'm like, come on, you can get there with me. And yeah, they he, don't. He kept saying... Um, the same thing. <laughs> yes, but he kept saying it's confusing, though, because of the way women dress. And he kept coming back to that. Mm. And every time, bless Judith, she'd go, it's not confusing if you think a woman is a person. Yeah. <laughs> like, and he was like, ba 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 She's confusing. Yeah. No, right? Later like, on, she said to me, oh, you had all the arguments. And I was like, yours was the best argument. Yeah. Like, yeah. if you think women are people, this all goes away. Yeah. And they, you don't think women deserve anything. You don't want, you know. But that idea of, but she was already in a bikini. I hadn't put her in one. And yeah. I'm like, that's, this is what it is, ultimately. Did this you is, think of that in the spot? 
Yeah. You're just she, like really smart. N- no. You know, like, because I like wouldn't, I would like have to go home, you know, and I'm in the shower and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I could just have sat, I was like, unwrapped like a sweet. And, you know, I would have said all that. You know, I would have to give me a day or two. You no. were just like on it, like a yeah. carb on it. I think I was just so furious. Yeah. And it just rose up in me and just kind of came out like, like you know, in Stranger Things with the demon. Like it's yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. It was like my feminist, the thing, you know, like, yeah. A, yeah. That's everything. What's it called in? Is it the, the demogorgon? The, the demogorgon. Yes. That's right. The demogorgon. It was like the feminist dem. The femogorgon. The- <laughs> yes. That's perfect. That's perfect. Okay, that's what we're going to call it now. When you the feel femogorgon. it rising within you, and you're yeah. thinking, oh, "Don't make this a fuss. Don't be difficult. Don't yeah. make a fuss." It's a Allow your femogorgon to come out. Yeah. Oh. oh. That's everything. I'm going to pitch that. Yo, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Did you say pitch or pinch? I'm going to pitch it. Like pitch. Like, it. Oh yeah, yeah. To the to the directors. Okay, great. To to, to put it in. We should get you in the show. <gasps> as a, a femogorgon. I'm into being a femogorgon. And we're gonna get Judith. Yeah. Yes. And Brian. Oh. And we're gonna oh. we're gonna unwrap Brian. Only okay. if Brian's in a bikini. <laughs> yeah. Only yes. if that's what I'm saying. I'm gonna have him. Unwrap I'm gonna, Brian. We're gonna unwrap Brian. Brian. Like a sweetie. Just like a sweetie. Yeah. <laughs> and we're gonna get it on film. It's going to be great. Amazing. Amazing. I love it. Okay. All right. I am down for that. We'll yeah. keep talking. Yeah. We've got to get Grace Patreon. Yes. Um, but before we do, I'm just going to do a couple of quick fires. When did you realize you were a feminist? Oh, uh, uh, on a red carpet. Somebody asked me, and I thought it was a bad word. I didn't know what it meant. I oh, thought it you thought meant. feminism right. was a bad word. Yeah. Yep. Uh, oh, this is a good one. This is a good quick fire. Out of all the characters that you play, which is the best outfit you've ever worn? Enola, I'd say. Oh, yeah. That corset snatched waste. <laughs> that snatched waste. Okay, another one. Um, uh, if you could be anyone else for a day... This is from Amber. If you could be anyone else for a day, who would you be and why? Um, I don't know. I probably... For the people me. listening, uh, <laughs> no, Millie probably. just pointed at Deborah behind her yes! back. I would, I, would, I would totally. And then hopefully I could take some homework home and like be that when I'm still me. Or... Um, Beyonce, probably. Yeah. I'd go with Beyonce if I were you. Uh, I'm often still numpting around in bed at 11. Uh, And then, uh, finally, uh, what one attribute of Enola at 11 do you see in yourself? Um, Enola, maybe her humour, her quick wit. I like that. Yes. Summarise Enola Holmes two and three words. Oh, gosh. Adventure, romance, Susan McCormack. Yay! (laughs) It has been absolutely incredible, and we will uh, say goodbye to you again, but before, stay here, because to close the show in Guilty Feminist fashion, we've got a special guest on. Now, I know you're a fan of the Guilty Feminist, and she is, uh, I think, probably our most enduring and uh, loved, celebrated musical act. Please welcome to the stage, as a present for your 18th birthday, the incredible Grace Petrie! We're not going to unwrap you like a sweetie. That's when I said present. She came on and said, am I her present? And I was like, well, it sounds like we're going to unwrap you. And we've just been talking about that. Yeah, it's quite a lot of pressure, you know. Um, Well, listen, it is lovely to be here. And it's so lovely to meet you, Millie. And uh, yeah, so it's uh, the Femogorgon is quite an incredible idea to me. And... uh, uh, because so I was talking to Deb about this because I'm a massive Stranger Things fan. We're all massive Stranger Things fans, right? <laughs> of course we fucking are. And uh, so I'm a feminist, but um, you know, so in the second season, right? 
You know the monster in the second season, right? Is sort of this like big, slimy, red, like you know what I'm talking about, right? It's sort of like more and, and so those of you who have periods. <laughs> some of you have already got there with me. But um so I I said to Deb the other day, can I tell Millie Bobby Brown that uh, I, I'm a feminist, but since I made the link <laughs> that that monster is just like, in my head, it's just a huge sentient period clot. <laughs> and I just can't see it the same way. And in my mind... Susie knows what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, you know what I mean? And there is actually a scene, like, sorry to bring it up if it's triggering me, there's a scene where it, like, fucking beats Eleven up. Do you know what I mean? And, like, you know that I'm first... So triggered. Right? And, like, that first fucking day of period pain where I was just, like, watching this period clock fucking beat you up and I was like, same. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Same. So in my mind... It's Femagorgon. You know, Femagorgon is what it's always going to be. Um, but I'm going to sing some songs. Is that okay? I'm going to sing... Co- um, there's been uh, so, such a wonderful conversation. I was watching the whole thing backstage and so much wonderful stuff tonight. Um, but uh, in partic- I, I always try and sort of tailor what I sing so it's sort of vaguely relevant to the show. But in particular, uh, Susie, incredible set about becoming an adult. Um, and, uh, and there's been so much talk tonight about things that we wish that we could have told our younger selves. So I'm going to sing a song that I wrote... Uh, as a letter sort of to my teenage self and it was this is the first this venue is the first place that I ever sang actually it's called Black Tie Um, and uh, and it's about it's about basically being so I'm a butch lesbian right I'm a butch lesbian (laughs) thanks wow thank you very much me and those five people Um, (laughs) to the barricades Um, and I'm and I'm 34 years old and I'm now incredibly proud of who I am but I wasn't for years and years and years right I was very ashamed of it for a long time particularly when I was a teenager you know uh, like a lot of us I think the world made me feel like what I am and what is so innate to me was just sort of less than and not enough right and, it, and I, I really took that on board it took root in my foundations when I was a young person I carried it around for years and years and years um, until something happened to me which changed my, my whole life which is that I turned 30 and I instantly saw not giving a fuck about anything uh, so uh, thanks yeah um, so thank you so I wrote this song as a bit of a letter to my teenage self and to anybody in here tonight who maybe needs a little bit of reassurance right I think all of us have got a lonely teenager in us somewhere right who maybe needs to hear this this message that uh, you're you're absolutely grand right um, so it's got a line that I'd love you to join in with if that's okay it's like a call and response line where um, I'm going to do the first bit and you're going to reply the second bit um, if that's okay, um, uh, and uh, it's a bit sweary. I'm sorry about that. I, I can't censor it um, for, uh, for for two reasons. Uh, number one, it's a rhyming couplet. Uh, so my, my hands are tied. Uh, and number two, uh, it's literally the greatest achievement of my life, this lyric, so I, I cannot hide it under a bushel. Um, the, so the line is, the images that fucked you we're a patriarchal structure. Are you with me, Gilly Feminist? Right? Cool. So I'm going to sing the first bit and the images that fucked you, and you're going to reply, we're a patriarchal structure, a bit like this. And the images that fucked you were a patriarchal structure. Just like that. And if you sing it loud enough, then, then patriarchy itself will fall. Are you with me? It's called Black Tie. Well, it's a jungle out there. The year 2018, I didn't think 
We'd still be sorting babies into blue and pink And all our progress, yeah I wonder what it means When the only girls' clothes that work for me Turn out to be boyfriend jeans Well that's fine, cause I decline A narrow set of rules that just don't work Everything's gonna be alright No, you won't grow out of it You will find the clothes that fit And the images that fucked you Were a patriarchal structure And you never will surrender To a narrow view of gender And I swear there'll come a day When you won't worry what they say On the labels and on the doors You will figure out what's yours And it's a bloody nightmare Trying to fight the spread of bigotry and fear That's uniting Piers Morgan and Jermaine Greer And all our progress yeah, I wonder who it's for When I dare to utter that trans lives matter And all I got was a turf war Well, that's fine Cause I decline Your narrow set of rules They just don't work And these red lines They're not mine If you need me You can find me ironing my shirt Cause I'm in To my year 11 self In her year 11 hell Saying everything's gonna be alright No, you won't grow out of it You will find the clothes that fit And the images that fucked you Were a patriarchal structure And you never will surrender To a narrow view of gender And I swear they'll come a day When you won't what they say on the labels and on the doors you will figure out what's yours you will figure out what's yours and that it's got nothing to do with fitting neatly in a box that was constructed to make it seem like people come in just two teams and anything that's in between ain't good enough Postcard to my year 11 self In her year 11 hell Darling, everything's gonna be alright No, you won't grow out of it You will find the clothes that fit And the images that fucked you Were a patriarchal structure And you never will surrender To that narrow view of gender folks you've yet to meet but you're exactly up their street and they've been waiting just as long to hear someone sing this song better day 
razor on their way When it won't matter what they say On the labels and on the doors You will figure out what's yours And girl, you're gonna be so happy Girl, you're gonna be just fine Girl, you're gonna be so happy Down the line, down the line. Thank you. Thank you very much. quickly we just have to do our closing titles but before we do that can I just say it's been a real privilege to talk to you I feel like you're so full of life and ideas and full momentum and I can really see why you're having the career you're having because you just I would buy things from you like you know if you came in and pitched to me like a movie I'd be like yes 100% I'll raise the money and I have no money I would just I would have to find it afterwards because I'd promised um so I just want to say, I really appreciate you coming on. I just think you're an extraordinary young woman, and I'm just so excited to see what you do next. And uh, I will be your Femagorgon any time. Absolute pleasure. I'm just... Really quickly, not going to keep you guys. Thank you so much for coming here. Millie, like, honestly, you're so game and you're so cool. And it's been such a pleasure, honestly, watching you grow up for the very short corner of time that I've been able to see it. You're excellent. You're exquisite. You're wonderful. Thank you for coming and embracing the Guilty Feminist. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming here. I do think your influence will bring a lot of young women who've never heard of feminism and young people of minority genders and young cis men. Like, I, I think you're going to bring a lot of uh, attention to something that is... It's the stuff of life. It's the stuff of justice. It's the stuff of uh, self-ownership, self-esteem, equality, connection, conversation, and it's, that's what we need. So I really appreciate what you're doing, and I think it's, it's magnificent. Thank you so much for being here. I'm going to sob in my pillow tonight. Hey, that's what so we want. All our guests to go home crying. <laughs> so uh, before I do the closing titles, I just want to say a big thanks to King's Place. You're amazing. I'm so sorry, run over. I don't have a good sense of time due to sorry. ADHD, so you can't say it's my fault. Um, yeah. Big round of applause for the incredible Susan McCoy Mark. Grace Petrie. Woo! And everybody who put a question in, whether or not it was read out, uh, thank you. Thank you for engaging. Thank you for coming. And uh, thank you for being the best audience in the world. Look forward to more exciting events with uh, Millie Bobby Brown of The Guilty Feminist, uh, if she wasn't just being polite. Uh, you have been absolutely wonderful. I've been Deborah Francis-White. We've been The Guilty Feminist. Good night! which undermine them. I'm here with Deborah Front. I'm Deborah. I'm not here with Deborah Francis. <laughs> I'm here with myself. 
orgasm. <laughs> there you go. That's it. <laughs> the Guilty Feminist is provided exclusively from Acast. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com